One and two and three and four. There's murder and intrigue, but the kids of Riverdale are gonna be just fine, just fine, just just fine. There's Jughead and Betty, and Dad's a serial killer serving some jail time, jail time, jail jail time. We got milkshakes and pops. And mimosas at Veronica's Yeah, the kids of Riverdale are gonna solve some crime Some crime, some, some crime Cause the kids of Riverdale are gonna still be fine Maybe damage, damn, damn, damage Sit right down, you're gonna have a real good time With Team Cheryl Who's Archie? Hello and welcome to another episode of Milkshakes and Mimosas, where we are, well, I could have said coffee and pie, but hey, guess what? I'll, I'll talk about that in a second, but we're not even going to get into David Lynch, so this is just kind of a random part of this podcast history right now, I guess. Great but anyways, we're talking... What? Great introduction. What? Oh yeah, just a great <laughs> introduction. I, you know, Nailed I am, it. I excel at introductions. Like David Lynch excels at straightforward narratives. Um, today we're talking about Wild at Heart, and uh, you know the first voice you heard was the man who loves anuses and cockroaches, uh, Jason. Hello, Jason. Y'all take a listen. You'll hear the deep sounds coming down from Jason Peru. <laughs> okay. That was possibly my favorite introduction of all time. Uh, 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 uh. This is my podcast. It represents my individuality. <laughs> and your sense of personal freedom. freedom. Yes. And a person who I can't do any references to because they might not get it. Uh, hello, Luke. <laughs> hey. <laughs> I don't know how he, he to feel about that. He didn't finish the movie. I'm referencing oh, the wow. fact that he didn't finish the movie. You so could have re- said... referenced something and just gauged my reaction to it well okay 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 <laughs> we assigned luke a, a movie by... but he was just too wild at heart to make it through <laughs> <the whole. laughs> and we're, also, we're also joined by luke the man with the nicest cock in podcasting hello oh Where? you see i i get that one it's like it has that. a little voice that talks to you and it's <laughs> i'm very david lynchian in my movie watching you can't predict me and you won't understand it mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and if she were blonde, she'd be a spitting image for young Laura Dern, Sophie. Oh my God! I mean, first of all, I am a natural blonde, but I'm not blonde now, so it's fair. And right, but that—that's why I said it, because then, then uh, you know, I pay attention. I pay she, attention. She'd be wearing a, a blonde wig like Isabella Rossellini, where you can just see the black <laughs> directly underneath <laughs> it. That was the worst wig I've ever seen. That was a wig worthy of the first season of Game of Thrones, right? Like, that was, like, first season of Game of Thrones wig, and I loved it. Um, I do need to say that, apropos of the Laura Dern comparison, um, I would be hard-pressed to pick an outfit that she wears in this movie that I would not wear if you gave it to me right now, so. Right. Same. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Just glad can't see it uh and jason's part okay anyways uh yeah so we're talking about wild at heart um but we're not actually gonna end up getting into twin peaks like originally planned we're actually gonna be taking the rest of the month off after this there will be a christmas episode um we might just take until riverdale comes back off i haven't decided on that yet um mainly because you know uh, you know, they had the you know, Jason had to sub in with everyone for Blue Velvet last week, and my health has been kind of iffy here and there. So it seems like it's probably a better thing to just take a little time off of Depaired of this pod and then uh, get back into things um, when Riverdale does. So that's our current plan. Um, but you will get this episode, and you'll also get a lovely episode that's like a Christmas special that I had nothing to do with, but a lot of people worked hard on. So there you go. But now, let's get into Wild at Heart. You know, there's one person whose opinion I really want to hear. Luke, when did you stop watching Wild at Heart? What what was the uh, what was the minute count? Did you take did you take the minute oh, count? Oh no, I didn't I didn't write down the minute. I just kind of rage I, I rage scrolled through it and was like, does rage this get any better? <laughs> I, I know your love for Nicolas Cage, which is that part surprises me. 
because this is a Nicolas Cage performance. This is a capital N, capital C Nicolas Cage performance, right? Am I wrong about that? The am I am I known the for my accent. love? Am I known for my love of Nicolas Cage? Is uh, I thought that you a enjoyed thing that people think about me. No, you know I mean, it's I just a vibe you, you give up, right? You're always talking about peaches <laughs> and eating them for hours. And, you know, I just kind of got this idea. Like, Last oh, Halloween, like, you took your face off. I remember yeah, that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and switched entire, it with someone entire, else's face. I mean, I am totally the Nick Cage that screams in his bathroom, just chugging liquor and just screaming <laughs> his head off. So that I mean, I, in 2020, aren't we all level. that Nicholas Cage? <laughs> with, nope, during the bank robbery uh, scene, where he just starts screaming, "Bobby" is one of my favorite. When you start shooting, <laughs> when you start screaming, "Bobby!" <laughs> my my <laughs> My favorite part of that scene is when the dude is looking for his hand and a dog just walks out with a hand. <laughs> I mean, there's so many good parts about that scene. The he- the, the, shot, uh, the shotgun to the head is is you know just how I want to go. Um, I want to say I want to say about a half hour in, I finally just started being kind of skipping ahead, and uh, I saw things like some dude uh, that was on apparently just constantly inhales helium, yelling at a bar. Uh, saying weird shit, and uh, he said two lines. I saw a apparent, yeah, apparently a hitman who uh talks like Hannibal Lecter, which I was kind of into, but at the same time, I was still so bored out of my mind that I kept scrolling. And then I saw a bank robbery that made me laugh pretty hysterically, but at that point, I was just kind of done with it. Uh, I don't. I don't know. I don't. I guess I don't really know uh, exactly what you want to hear from me, except for no. I I do like you know. It, you, you did. You did <clears throat> stop with the 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 movie. So I was like, I was actually curious as to like what caused you to, sh- to stop and like kind of like when you kind of like were off board or if you were ever on yeah. board. Uh, I mean, I was kind of on board at first, but it as it kept going on, I was getting flashbacks to uh, Blue Velvet where. And I don't know if uh, you heard where I came down on that or not, but it's it's just there's something about David Lynch's style that just does not speak to me. And I just found myself incredibly bored and just wanting it to be over. That's fair. That's fair. I, I can't put my finger on it. There's just something that just it just doesn't work for me. The chicken walk. I feel like it's the chicken walk. Um, but no, though, that's, that, you know, that's that's good to know. Sophie, I am very interested as to where you you came down on 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 this movie, to be honest. Yeah, so um, I really didn't want to spoil it before we started recording. And so I'm not sure whether or not you all will, would have predicted this or if you will be surprised. Um, but I really liked this movie a lot. I really, really, really liked it a lot. Um, like, I don't think it's without its problems. And I think there's right. conversations we can have about that. Of but course. As far as a David Lynch film, like, A, I found this to be pretty accessible um, comparatively. Yeah. And and I really liked what he had going on with a lot of the story. Like, a lot of the plot, I really liked where, where he was going with it and what he was trying to do. And I'm going to be honest, I finished watching this immediately before getting on Skype. And I watched the entire credit sequence so that I could sing along to Love Me Tender with Nick Cage. And I was like dancing around my kitchen. And I was like, man, this really got me in the feels. And I was not anticipating it. Well, that is delightful. And I cannot yeah. wait to continue this discussion. Oh, yeah, Jason's here too. Hey, Jason, what do you think? I'll just uh, see myself out. It's fine. No, no, no. No, oh, oh, Luke, um, you gotta, no Luke, you contribute to the conversation where you disagree. That's why yeah. you... We get all yeah. these people on here because not everyone is going to agree. And, you know, that's what podcast heaven is. Um, I think this is pretty well established that I love this film. Um, I have the exact opposite reaction to Luke. Like, this is the quickest two hours ever for me watching this. Every time I watch this film, it's like, I can't believe I'm already an hour and a half into this film. We just got one of the greatest David Lynch characters of all time, Bobby Peru, you know, <laughs> In the film, it's as memorable as that character is, to me at least. It's not until like the last half hour that he's in the film, and it's crazy to me every time. Um, This is sort of, to me, like where early Coen Brothers meets David Lynch in a weird way. Like It really feels like raising Arizona in a David Lynch film had a baby. Um, And I'm totally 
down for it. I love it. It's not without its problems, as Sophie said. It's so stupid in so many ways. Um, <laughs> the from the like candy necklace shit to the like uh, just the they're just the the line he gives every time about his individual individuality in the snakeskin jacket. It's so over the top that it's just joy to me in that way. Um, well, that's, yeah, that, that's kind that's of it. like, yeah, no, that that's a really interesting uh, diving off point because yes, I would argue that this is David Lynch's fantasy film. This is not a drama. This is not an action. It's not crime. It's not even. Well, it's the Wizard of Oz a, in some ways, right? Well, in some ways. <laughs> just, just a little bit. Every 10 seconds, it's like, a, look at the Wicked Wish of the East and the Glenda the Good Wish shows up at the end. It doesn't even bother, like, actually hitting any of the tropes. It just mentions the Wizard of Oz as if it's. Toto, Toto is mentioned. My dog is Toto from the Wizard of Oz. I right? saw red. I saw red slippers. When, oh God, that's when uh, that scene is a problem. What's her name? Oh my God, I just completely forgot her name. Lula? Peanut Lula. When Lula wants yeah. to go to be be with Sale, who's her happy place, her home. Yeah, you know? right. And, and like you know, I notice at the end, like uh, his son is being a little bit like re- withdrawn, <laughs> and he son. gives him like a lion. So it's like the cowardly lion thing is going to him. I and I then his son is like his joints are all creaky and he needs some oil. There was that scene where she was asking if he got the oil for the car. So uh, right, you, well, you know what? Glenda literally I, shows up at the end of the film. You mean that part too? Yeah, yes, exactly. I mean that too. I love when they're driving. When she's driving with her son, and there's a dude's brain splattered all over the road. She's like, "Oh, there's an accident, duck." <laughs> so crazy. Well, that. I, you know, I I find it I find it so crazy because like one of the things I love about this movie is that like there is a stretch of about forty five minutes or so where they are just driving and it's just like things are actually going really well for uh, like Lula and and Nicolas Cage uh, and they were they like they all are kind of like just diving into the fantasy. And then they come across the car crash, which like completely just throws everything back mm. into the real world for them, which I thought was like very, very fascinating uh, as a, as an idea. Um, and I love I found like a lot of things that I that I saw in the movie Drive that I like that I compared to. Oh, it this. looks exactly like the bank robber or the 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 robbery looks right, exactly that... like the robbery from Drive when he's like sitting in the car waiting. Right. Is right, that, and I and I yeah. and the initial scene where it just breaks out into violence, yes. like it's like a romantic scene, and then all of a sudden it's like violence to the extent of insanity. Um, <laughs> that just like reminded me of the elevator scene in Drive, yeah. right? Like it, there's like a lot of aesthetics. There's a lot of like really uh, powerful color work in this film, and like that all kind of struck me as very winding reference. The blood looks like the blood from Suspiria. It's like fucking... Oh, yeah. The apple red. Andrew, Andrew, I just have to say that the way that you say aesthetic gets me hotter than Georgia (laughs) Ash. I love it. Oh, my. Oh, my. Do we think the, the scene in... Okay, so... In the uh, iconic film, uh, greatest film of all time, Face Off, I'll talk as five. Oh. Um, at one point, uh, <laughs> David... said that like Gary Busey was in Face Off. I took his wings. There's at one point in that movie, he says, I can eat a peach for hours. Yes, he does. Yep. Right? And early life. in this movie, there is a scene where another ladies parts are described as a peach mm-hmm. so do we think that that is just um uh you know nicholas cage just ad ad living uh always talking about peaches do we think that he is a thing for peaches who knows with nicholas i mean cage. Do you think he's call me by your name too uh, well, <laughs> i think, that was I think they got that from face off can you imagine can you imagine if Nick Cage replaced both of the characters and call me by your name. <laughs> I could eat that Someone needs to make that happen. I, like, I could eat that piece for like hours, Bobby Peru. Of what we missed in Call Me By Your Name is just a scene of both of them snuggling on the couch watching Face Off, and like that's how they got the idea. He's like, for hours. He's like, what does he mean about peaches? Well, there's a bit of in one, and then we eat it. That's how that. That's how that. <laughs> 
Can you imagine Willem Dafoe my... with those teeth eating a peach for hours? Oh god, <laughs> never. Oh, never. Oh my god. There is this there is this um phenomena. I don't know what the equivalent is for dudes, but there's this phenomena that happens uh, I'll speak from personal experience when I am like so absolutely repulsed by something that it feels like all my female anatomy is trying to crawl further inside of my body and that's how I just felt. So uh, thanks for uh, that. It- you know, the Ben Shapiro effect, right? That's, that's <laughs> yeah, a... exactly. I mean, forget about, oh. I, I mean, I'm sure we'll talk about this scene, but the Bobby Purr scene where he's in their um, little home, whatever that is. Like, I don't know if that's like a trailer or if it's just like a little cement block apartment or, or like, a, you know, a okay, motel. Like motel that people are like yeah. long-term staying yeah. at. Where it's just a fucking close-up of his teeth on almost on her chin saying say fuck me say fuck me is the most disgusting scene i've ever seen in my entire life like i am more repulsed by that scene than anything that happens in like salo or (laughs) oh jesus (laughs) hey guess what guys that's what we're talking about next on the podcast uh how long will it take of salo and uh Serbian film. How long will it take Luke to turn off Salo? <laughs> if he, if we get back and he's like, well, no, guys, I, watched I actually thing watched twice. it twice. <laughs> the Serbian film director's cut. He's... Uh, is it, as long as it's not directed by David Lynch, right? Oh, shit. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, he's shit. Like, Someone comes up to him. Okay, so Luke, uh, we have a literal <laughs> snuff film, and then we have a David Lynch film. And Luke's like, uh, guys, you know what I want. Um, he puts it on, and it's just like fucking three um, obese, half-naked women dancing in the fucking in the middle of a courtyard. Oh, yes. Okay. So now we're gonna get to the part of where we're gonna talk about things that are very hard to talk about and very interesting to talk about. So that sequence, I'm always fascinated in 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 movies like this is if that's actually body positivity or it's in there for weirdness' sake, right? Like if it's like. Because, like, part of it just seems like they were shooting a porno, like, and then these ladies were part of that porno. Well, that's and that's what like, they say they, happens, right? Is yeah, happening? right. And, and like, uh, you know, and, and they, like, look, the ladies look like they're having a good time. Like, it doesn't look like, and no one is sitting there, like, laughing at them. And um, then they, they like, kind of go. silence, though. There are there is stun silence, but I'm pretty sure I would have stun silent any person's walking around <laughs> doing some naked dances. Yeah, that but, moment. Oh, go. I'm sorry, I'm interrupting a lot. No, 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 but no, no, no. But that's that's what I'm I'm kind of interested in talking about because I I I never sure if it's like trying to be like, oh, this is so weird. There's naked women who are not size two. Ah, that moment. Uh, Sophie brought up um, the aesthetics of Mr. Peru earlier. That struck me as a very much a John Waters moment. Like that, it felt like a John Waters movie almost. Like, I guess it's, a, and it kind of walks that line. So I think it's sort of both, Right. Like right. that's the sort of the point of a John Waters film too, right? You're you're um, you're shocking people by showing them the realities of the body as opposed to like the the perfection that you come to expect, and we see earlier in this film clearly with Laura Dern. Um, you know? I was gonna say like what society considers perfection. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I know that's what you meant. That's what I meant. For no, that's clarification fair. Clarification's sake. Um. Oh, I mean. T- Clearly, I'm living with a perfect body, so I mean, I don't know what to tell you. Like the thing, I, I don't know. I don't know that I agree. That scene made me really uncomfortable because yeah. it did feel like because David Lynch has such a penchant for um, most of the time in his films when actresses are nude, they are like rail thin, double zero women, right? Um, and because everyone makes a point of talking about how beautiful Laura Dern's like super skinny, tiny body is, that sequence to me was one of the most uncomfortable scenes to watch in the movie because it does feel like the purpose is the absurdity of it. Right. Now, yeah, no, exactly. And like that was, that is one of those things where it's, it is there are a few things that are like recurring in Lynch films that it's kind of really hard to put your hand on what the meaning of it is and how 
and how to take it. And, um, you know, and, and it's one of those things of because he will never explain. You'll never hear a David Lynch audio commentary. He won't even let anyone else record an audio commentary for his films. There will be no one ever talking to you while it runs and him try to explain to you something. To you. And, and and a lot of it is up to interpretation. Um, and uh, that is kind of a bad thing in some of these cases. Right. Because it has led to um, people having people who there, there was. There is a possibility that two people who very much agree on a topic um, like, say, like sexual violence could watch the same scene and come with very differing views of it. And then they would just have a heated argument that would just like ruin their friendship. Um, is is it, though, a bad idea? <laughs> because if he opened his mouth and put it a specific way, it'd be very easy to nail him down and then say, you're obviously an asshole. So what right. he's done is allowed him some right. wiggle room to get out of things right, that are probably no. problematic let's be honest right right like no, no, you no. could uh, you right. could like david lynch's work and therefore you're going to be more charitable to the shit that's probably going to be uh was, may not have been intended to be as good as you um you know it, it, and i do the same thing with david lynch's work right obviously we had this whole conversation about blue velvet um and the things that right. happened in I, it uh, i do kind of feel like you could do that about any artist's work uh, that if it's ambiguous, right? right. Like, you know, tr try to watch a Jodorowsky Dune. Uh, no, not sorry. You can't watch Jodorowsky's Dune. <laughs> I mean, there's a movie, but like you, it is pretty clear cut documentary. But watch an Alejandro Jodorowsky film and then sure. have two people talk about it. And it's like, I, I don't know. Like, I, I don't know if if almost the point of it is that it is up to you to interpret and discuss and, and talk about and think about these things and come away with it. Or again, it could also just be exactly what Sophie was saying and how Sophie was feeling. And because, you know, Sophie was feeling that way. So it's obviously a way to read that. That's very valid. And that brings me to the one thing that I really wanted to talk about. That's like not a fun thing to talk about. How do we feel about the Bobby Peru scene that's like there's a the sex like the the pretty deliberate sexual violence it was a, there is a rape in that movie because that that is a very that, that is a earlier rape. no no that scene is rape because he's like he's like violating her body well yeah but like there's he, two rape scenes then because there's also the scene with his uncle her uncle well right. that, we we hear that we it happened the... that's the aftermath but right. like wow, this right. kind of you're in it it's pretty traumatic I'm... though she's bleeding oh, out no, of no, her no, mouth no 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 but i'm not sorry but the act is what the, the, the yeah, thing okay. that is is what is like disgusting wise and i was interested in how people read the scene of him actually like violating her because there's like a lot of um there's different ways you can read that. And I was, I was interested in how people read that sequence. Um, Sophie, um, <laughs> do you want to talk about this at all or will we just move on? I don't know. No. Yeah. I, th I think it's a super important scene to talk about and it's challenging because so obviously we should lay the context out. I know we sort of mentioned this, right. but yeah, the this context is actually a hard of this scene. See, so yeah, good, good point. Yeah. Gotta, so the context of this scene, right, is that we already know from both her sort of telling a story and us seeing the before kind of in the aftermath that Laura Dern was raped when she was 13 by a man who she called her uncle, but he was a business associate of her dad. And um, her mom saw, kind of walked in right after it happened. That guy later died semi-mysteriously. Um, and, but so we know that that's, that that happened to her at a young age. And so when Willem Dafoe assaults her in their, in their room, you know, she keeps telling him to leave and she's trying to cover herself and back away from him. And he is not listening to her repeatedly say no. And then he's telling her to say yes or no, even though she's clearly already communicated right. that she's not consenting to this. Um, and so as, Jason alluded to, he like gets up in her face and keeps telling her that if she just says, fuck me, he'll leave. And he starts like touching her. Oh. And as he starts touching her, like it appears that she's into it. Right. And then she eventually says, fuck me. And then he's like, I will one day, but not now. Cause I'm busy and I have to leave. And then he leaves. And 
the way that you, the way that you put that coda is makes it sound like the weirdest comedy bit of all time. It sort of <laughs> is. All of a sudden, it's like a Mark Brothers thing, and he goes like. <laughs> I mean, like it kind of feels that way, though. He's yeah. very like, "Not today, sweetheart." Like, right? And so. and I think I think that scene, the 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 scene of like the appears to enjoy it scene is is where the probably the most uh, things can be read or can be this dismissed. Is a or direct juxtaposition so. to what happens in Blue Velvet, but done worse. Right. Yeah, but like, okay, so. so what I what, one of the things that you know that you you well hear in people who are uh, not educated at all and are uh, stupid like uh, is that uh, pe- people people will say that men cannot be be raped because yeah. uh, like eventually the body will respond and like you know Ugh. not all cases but like the idea of like that the body can feel the stimulation and therefore it's like not rape um, and and that is said like people do say that. Um, and, um, you know, the, people make the same arguments, uh, like, and about women being like, and like, these are like really fucking dangerous things to think of. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's still rape, even if there is a, even a, an iota where your body reacts in a certain way, right? Like there is, um, your body could still react in a very specific way to being touched, even though you don't want it to, right? There's the there's the involuntary responses of your body does not invalidate that it's rape kind of thing. And that's what I think is interesting to talk about in this context. Um, And obviously this is not something that happens all the time during any rape, right? I'm just talking about there are specific instances where your body can react in one way kind of thing. Right. But I I think it's important context that like, I don't want I would never try to speak for to, for all survivors. And so it feels oh, like the right response. It feels like the wrong response to be like, nobody w- would ever react this way there. I'm sure there are individuals who have been victims of sexual assault for whom those, those kinds of triggers and things get confusing. Like I used to, for example, this is a, this is not the same, but like I used to work with guys that were on the registry, many of whom had been abused as kids and later ended up accessing things like child pornography. And in a lot of those cases, it was not because it was not because they were aroused by children. It was like trying to figure out and understand their victimization. So I don't want to say that like, there's no way Laura Dern would ever respond that way. But it's like, like you said, Andrew, it just feels like a very dangerous message to put out there that like, because again, it just goes to this whole myth that like, if you just try hard enough, women are going to give in, you know, like a a no is only a no until it's a yes. And it's like, no, a no is a no full stop. That's the end. I think furthermore, I don't think that's the intent of the scene. Like, I feel like the camera where I've seen the scene many times is a pretty salacious like it goes down her body it does it makes the point to show her in a particular outfit that's revealing not that it's wrong for her to wear that outfit by any means it's not what i'm saying i'm just saying like it shows her it lingers on her nipple when he's touching it it goes down her thigh and let's not forget right this is a character that's defined by sexual assault. And I think that's pretty problematic, in my opinion. That yep. her character well, oh, yeah, development right. is driven through the fact that her dad's, well, in many ways, through her mother's abuse, right? And her dad's partner sexually abusing her. And, and I think it's the opposite of what we were talking about with Blue Velvet. And, and again, I really like this film. I'm not shitting on this film. I'm just saying I think this, I firmly believe this is a, this is, what people say about Blue Velvet is true in this regard about this film. Yeah. I, I definitely feel very uncomfortable in that, in that sequence with Purdue and the way it's shot and, and everything like that. Um, that kind of just kind of like adds to that, uh, thing where I think it would be, uh, bad of us to just kind of like pass by it. So I wanted to kind of like address it and talk about that scene in particular. Um, I do, I don't know if I could particularly agree with you in the case of Laura Dern in that like she she definitely has like triggers and like flashbacks, but I don't think her entire character is based off of that. 
at least not 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 in the way that I was kind of yeah. uh, experiencing her character. But um, Luke, um, you you didn't even see these scenes, did you? <laughs> Uh, nope, that's one of the ones that I must have skipped. <laughs> you know what? That that's okay. <laughs> no, I mean I think there's nuance to her character, but honestly, I think Laura Dern brings it all to the to character. I don't think it's in I, I'm, the written part of the character. So I just wanna. I, I'm just that's enjoying it. listening to you guys debate about it. Well, I don't know. Let's say we're not trying to debate. Debate. I think I would say discuss. <laughs> uh, sorry, wrong, wrong that... word. Just discuss it. No, I know. I just because when, when it's a very, very, uh, you know, uh, incredibly touchy subject and incredibly important subject. Yeah. You know, I think none of us are trying to say that we have the a definitive uh, stamp or opinion on this stuff. Right. Like uh, we're always willing to be malleable and listen, especially with a very touchy subject like this. Um, yeah. So. I, I will say that I am, I, I've, I've seen the character and listening to you, you guys describe it. It sounds uh, very unpleasant to watch. So, I mean, I, I, I fully can see it in my head. Right. Can I yeah. ask a question about a line that Billy Peru says? You can ask what sure. line. You can, you ask can whatever go through you every want. bit of dialogue he has in this movie because it's... Uh, he insane. says something about how... <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> like, the one-eyed snake wants to go shopping in the fish store. Is yes. he? Is that a vagina? Like, a seafood yes. store is a vagina? Yes. Fuck yes. that guy. Fuck that guy and his stupid <laughs> fucking face. That made me so angry. <laughs> <laughs> he's not a uh, pleasant fellow that uh, no, he's, not a good, he's not a good person in any in any regard um Willem i know Defoe, but though. also like fuck david lynch for making me listen to him say those words with those janky ass teeth like that was so upsetting i do think no, you imagine how many people can you imagine how many people look at that as like a like an actual really good come on no. and they're like Oh man, that's poetry. You know, if you if your mind hears that and horrible. thinks it's a good come on, that's not your first problem. The problem is everything that came before that. Um, <laughs> you, um, I do think this is one of my favorite Willem Dafoe performances, though, because it's so good. It is a really great performance, and everyone's fantastic so in this movie. I mean, he's like so slimy. It's kind of amazing. Yeah, yeah, that it's... mustache. Oh. <laughs> what does he tell? I don't, I don't know he tells Nicholas Cage to get his big round balls in the car. <laughs> <laughs> That's how I tell you guys to start every podcast. Get, the, get your get big, your round, big balls round balls on Skype. On, on Skype. <laughs> I don't know if I'm oh qualified to 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 say this, but I, based on what I saw, <laughs> I don't think anybody was as effective and as much of a presence to me as uh, Dennis Hopper was in Blue Velvet. Just because I thought Dennis Hopper was like even before he's ever on screen, like as soon as he enters, he's already such a presence in that movie. And I don't think anybody had the same. Uh, again, I like I said, I don't know the, if I'm the, qualified the fake, to say that for having not seen it. The, the, having fake not man, the fake man disguise at the end of Blue Velvet is basically all of the design yes. on Willem Dafoe. <laughs> like, Willem Dafoe is if, uh, if Frank gun. escaped and uh, put the fake man disguise on, uh, basically. So, yeah, I, I can understand that. I remember there was a, there's a podcast uh, where Laura Dern was talking to, I think it was Leonard Maltin on one of his podcasts, and they were talking about this movie, and apparently they were over at David Lynch's house for dinner because, like, they still got dinner or whatever, and um, like one of Laura Dern's kids said, they wanted to see Wild at Heart, and they and like, <laughs> and uh, David Lynch was like, "No, I, that's not a good idea," and like, uh, and like they like the kid apparently was like, "What? I've seen like my mom in a whole bunch of like different positions and like all these different like that." That we no no sorry no 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 no. no. <laughs> I I am very comfortable around seeing my mom in different scenarios or whatever, right? And then David Lynch was like, it's not your mom. I'm worried about your opinions on your grandma after watching Wild Town. Yeah. <laughs> or something like that. Like it was a it was a very funny conversation. Um, but you know, this is uh this is a movie that like because that podcast was like two years ago and like uh 
Laura Dern still like talks about this movie and like has a lot of fondness about it and still works with David Lynch. So there's, uh, you know, there's a lot to say about that at least. She's Andrew, wonderful. I mean, she's so amazing in this movie. Yeah. So her impersonation of David Lynch is probably my favorite impersonation of all time. So <laughs> always do that for one. <laughs> Two, uh, I do remember seeing uh, when I was trying to figure out where I was going to watch this movie. Uh, I kept seeing a headline that said. Uh, Laura Dern has told her children that they can't watch this movie until they're 30 years old, basically. I think that's fair. Right. Yeah. I think, I think that was kind of, I, I, I was kind of paraphrasing, paraphrasing that kind of, uh, kind of exchange, solid but move. yeah. So, so, the, yes. I was solid. Move. The scene of her, the, like I have several notes on Laura Dern's performance and, and honestly just on like things she said. And this, so first of all, I think this is maybe one of my favorite characters I've ever seen her play like she just is this like she feels like such a real person and I love all her little throwaway lines about the ozone or you know this guy (laughs) Farragut is such a good detective he could find an honest man in Washington is a great line line. um but that scene of Laura Dern driving the car and Nick Cage is asleep in the back and she's flipping through radio stations and it's all like crime and murder and bad news and she just starts they're like and, you know, they just, in the Ganges River, released a bunch of turtles to help take down the human waste. And now they're releasing crocodiles to uh, eat the corpses. And she's like, night of the fucking living dead. Oh, my God. That felt like that felt like all of us in 2020. Yeah. It was just like Laura Dern, like, please find music on the radio. What the fuck? Yeah. What? <laughs> I think they just start going crazy. That fucking dancing that they do in their desert. I was like, damn, this is some white people dancing. Like, this is amazing. <laughs> I love the scene where she reveals to Sailor that she's pregnant. Um, I, I think there's so much good acting going on, honestly. I think the really subtle moment where Nick Cage pulls out two cigarettes and starts smoking them at the same time is amazing. I think Great. the way she refuses to say it and passes him the note, and the way she responds to him, I actually think is maybe some of the best writing in this film from a dialogue standpoint, because he's like, I'm okay with it, and she's like, I don't think I am. Right? And right. I think there's yeah, a really great that, yeah. uh, moment there that I think is... Um, maybe the best human moment in this film, quite honestly. This is a film mm-hmm. that seems to change themes and um, tones at the drop of a hat, right? But that moment feels like the most drama- human dramatic moment in the film. And it's great acting, I think, from both of them, you know, including mm-hmm. Nicolas right. Cage. Right. Yeah. Well, what about the assassin lady and her men that is bizarre. that she has um and harry dean stanton is oh, like harry so dean. stone-faced like man can we just talk about how he underplays that scene he's underplaying the emotion while like reaction reacting to the most over-the-top thing ever <laughs> it's, it's like he's like hello okay so your direction <laughs> is you're going fucking crazy. You've just had a drug. I'm not going to say which, so drug addicts cannot get on my ass. Last time they got on my ass, and that was not look what it's like on Coke. Anyways, um, but yeah, it was insane. Harry Dixon looks like he's like, he knows he's about to get his head blown off, and he's like, ugh. Mondays, like he's just not like he is not he's crying though. Playing. Like he's got tears in his eye, and like he's clearly scared, but he's just like kind of like underplaying it. He that... seems more concerned that his uh, terrible girlfriend threw him under the bus than the fact that he's not gonna have a head in about three seconds. Well, I don't think he felt like he was like under the bus. He think he just felt like that she might be in trouble. Like because I don't think I think he's kind of a he's naive. worried about her. Yeah. I do think he was worried about her for sure. Poor Harry yeah. Dean. I love that man. Yeah. Um, I think he's a little underutilized in this film, but you know, I'm, I'm glad to see him. Can we talk about the Could fact it? that Diane Ladd uh, evidently improved every single line she had in this film, even though it was written down? Um, yeah, no, I'm sure. I mean, I've seen Carnosaur. That tracks. Um. Did she? This is very important. Did she improvise? This isn't a line of dialogue. But I want to believe that it was entirely her idea to cover her entire fucking face in lipstick. Like, <laughs> what the ass? 
absolute fuck was happening in that scene. I don't know what was wrong with my memory, but I thought that she got topless and then covered all of her boobs in lipstick, too. You were confusing it with, uh, isn't it in um, Night of the Demons where she sticks the tube of lipstick in her nipple? Right. That's that's probably what it is. I'm just always (laughs) thinking about Night of the Demons, one of my least movies of all time. Um, Also directed by David Lynch. A lot of people don't know that. (laughs) Okay. This is a night of the demons. I can't do it anymore. My through my voice, my my David Lynch prostitution is gone. Rest you in peace. You need to invent a David Lynch app where you just talk into it and it just speaks <laughs> David Lynchian to you. That would be amazing. I was absolutely. I don't know if this if you guys will remember this because it was just a detail that stuck in my brain. But when in the opening of the film, when Sailor has gone to jail or to prison and he calls the house and the mom answer Marietta answers the phone mm-hmm. and she's wearing this like white, like very gauzy looking white suit that was like, had like a super low cut, like flowy top with a big old blazer and white pants. Oh my God. <laughs> Fucking living for that suit. Oh my Lord. Oh my God. I- I'm kind of amazed that like the gangster dude, like never gets a comeuppance. Like he just like shows up. And it's just like, man, I'm just a slimy bitch. Ah, give me a hug, Lord Ern. And then she's like, ah. Yeah. And then that's so it. Weird. That's all that he gets. That's all that he gets. He runs away. He go, he's gone now. That was so And it clearly, clearly in those intervening like five years or whatever, um, you know, uh, Diane Ladd, I guess, lost everything and just started drinking and went crazy, I guess. Even more crazy. Because in that final scene, like her hair is like going nuts. And uh, they don't really explain what's going on there. Like, I guess Laura Dern was like, I ain't going back with you. Fuck you. And then got her own apartment or whatever and chilled. But I don't know. What happened in those five years? David Lynch has a new Netflix series. Why doesn't it be about that? Yeah, I have a lot of questions about those interviews times. I'd love if his new Netflix series is just about Diane Lay's character trying to get back out her feet after all that stuff <laughs> in the city. Trying to buy new love. Diane. And like, I would love that. It's just like a really uh, poppy 80s tune, like in all those old sitcoms, but it's like just her covering her face the entire time. Like, okay, Okay, I want to, I want to talk about a scene that I, I'm sure Luke watched because I would like to know Luke's feedback. I mean, I'd love to know all of your thoughts too, but um, Luke, what did you think of the scene? What did you think of the scene where they go to that concert that's like weird punk metal and then all of a sudden Nick Cage is like, you guys have the same energy as Elvis and then starts singing Elvis. They start playing uh, love. I yes. did not I did not see That was that like ten scene. minutes into the movie. That was so early. Oh well see here's the thing about me. Here's the thing about me. I space out if I if I am uh, at any given moment. I space out and I just don't pay attention. <laughs> so oh, uh, you're gonna learn something. You're you're learning a little something about how I retain information. So <laughs> nice. uh, that is not well, something Luke, I tried. That I, remember. I tried to ask something that I thought you would have an answer to. <laughs> that no, is see, that is one of my this, favorite scenes of this whole movie. By the way, that scene brought me back to one of my least favorite memories of all time chicago 2018 when um i think it was 2018 maybe it was 2019 i don't remember uh is when sophie convinced us all to go dancing after the bgh meetup and (laughs) i love to dance and uh, sure it's probably fun but not in like a chicago club that is like packed to the rafters with people and all I did was watch everybody's bags like a hawk the whole time. Like people were dancing and I was just like, the bags, the people are getting too close to our bags. And then like every time you go to the bathroom, there's just like piles of vomit everywhere. Man. Oh, just like their room. Yeah, that, that bar that bar was, uh, I had a talking to with my sister the next day because I was like, Hannah, I love you. But in future, when I tell you that I want to go dancing and it's like two in the morning, I don't want you to take me to a club that's playing like weird house funk music. That's not what I fucking wanted at all. And also, who was it? Who was it that just fell asleep? 
Somebody we we brought one of the BGH like oh, the shit. BGH yeah. people um, and he just Chase. slept. It was yeah, Chase. Chase just slept. And if you were at this club, you would be like, "What the fuck? How are you sleeping?" That is some real David Lynch energy that Chase brought to that uh, club. Bring it back. Well, because the- he was basically what? Like, <laughs> hadn't he like he had he only had the Airbnb the night before or something, right? Like he hadn't, he wasn't staying anywhere and he was just going to like Sorry. go to the airport at like 2 a.m. Sophie, I would love to continue this conversation, but I'm watching Jason dissociate like Luke described dissociating for the movie. <laughs> no, I was going to say, uh, speaking, <laughs> speaking of uh, puke, I thought you were going to say speaking of pubes. I'm so sorry. (laughs) Speaking of puke, puke, Lord Dern's puke in the hotel room becomes a character unto itself. Like, there's time dedicated to character building that puke. There's, like, long shots. There's zoom-in shots. It's brought up multiple times. I'm like, just pick up the fucking puke. I'm sad that they didn't have an opening credit sequence that was like listing everyone's names and then said like and introducing Laura Dern's vomit. (laughs) There's a (laughs) there's a scene at the end that tells you about uh, what happened after the movie and the puke is still on the rug. I do remember (laughs) a scene early on where uh, Nicolas Cage is in the stall with uh, Lula. Is that her name? Mm -hmm. Her mom. Yeah. Character's mom. And oh no, the mom is Marietta. Okay, so well, it's 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 just the mom of of Laura Dern's character, I believe, mm-hmm. and uh, they are she. This was like a, I believe it was a flashback of like why she hates him so much, basically, uh, where he is repeatedly turning her down, like turning down her sexual advances, and they're in this bathroom stall, and there's a shot of a like it, there's no I, I don't i mean it was a very clean toilet it was like unnaturally clean right before uh the mom character refers to him uh that he's no better than a toilet or something shit <laughs> and i just actually. remember well th- but there was there was an actual mention of you belong in one of these toilets yeah she calls him shit yep and she, yeah, you should and go in the toilet and get flushed i was just like i'm so glad we got that shot of that pristine toilet having not been shit or pissed in for probably about a week because there's no way a, a, a bathroom toilet a public bathroom toilet is ever that clean i don't know did you when see you're that rich hotel? public bathroom toilets are <laughs> very clean apparently yeah that's my take that was my takeaway from the and also you can um, you can uh you know when you're rich you can also um take a take a dump and a phone call with your topless maid hanging out about the place. Um, and dancing to know. And dancing. She's doing doing a little dancing. Uh, and also uh, hire a hit. All while you're at the toilet. I mean, that's you're that's rich. what we all strive for in life. Living the life. Can we? Yeah, can, exactly. Can I just ask, like, what you guys take is on why? Like, what's the intent of... I know it's impossible to answer for a David Lynch film, but I just want to hear your beliefs on this what's the intent of the overacting intentional clearly intentional overacting right um of everyone in this film like what is he trying and the fact that everything is you know taken to like such high melodrama right like there's a purpose i think that that happens in like twin peaks which came out exact same time as this film um about like satirizing television melodrama what is he is he trying to say something about like film romance is like this like is he well i think is that like i think i think the idea is that like yes here is this uh you know basically this like 40s wizard of oz story that's got all this darkness and horror that's interlaid within it right like because um you know this could almost be uh like a big chunk of this could almost be like a you know a 50s road movie right. um like um oh crap what am i like sullivan's travels even like yeah. something like that like uh and, and and like that that type of like uh stuff that i love i love that stuff but uh that is like very melodrama uh centered but uh has a like a romance at the core but everything's everyone's playing to the lines there and it seems like with all of the references to um you know glenda the good witch and shit um 
Also, by the way, do you think Diane Ladd or Freddy Krueger made a better Wicked Witch of uh, the East? Diane Ladd. I think she's... Yeah. I, I love it. I love it. Yeah, I love exactly. that, scene, that and, shot you know, where she's on the broom if, and laughing and stuff. I it's want crazy. to re- re-edit that scene in Freddy's Dead, The Final Nightmare, but it's uh, he looks out the window and it's Diane Ladd, and Diane Ladd like, I'm coming for your soul. Uh, <laughs> Andrew, uh, you and I talked about this a little bit, but I really need to hear Sophie's take, and then we can come back, and, and I know that you have a little bit of a take on this. Like the last 10 minutes where... Nicolas Cage comes on screen and drops completely out of left field the worst F-bomb in film history, in my opinion. Um, because what? it's so That's... out of bounds. Uh, you know, I know you don't feel that way, but I feel like it's anyways, so out of, uh, you know, I'm curious about Sophie's, I'm curious about what Sophie's take is on that. You're asking if I think this is the worst use of that slur? No, no, no. I just think, like... I just, just your reaction to that I moment. would disagree with it. That It's definitely not. <laughs> okay, so yeah... Um, I mean, it really caught me off guard. It just felt like so, I think this is what you're getting at, Jason. It feels so incredibly out of place. Like, I don't know. And also, yeah, that whole scene was just ridiculous. Like in a way that I I felt, I mean, in a way that even for David Lynch, I was like, why is any of this happening? But yeah, I mean, um, it never makes me feel great to hear that movie uttered in a, or that word uttered in a movie. But I guess like in this instance, based on the like kinds of other stuff that Sailor says, or like gets said in front of him that he doesn't seem to have any problem with, it didn't necessarily feel like something that he wouldn't say. Okay. All right, that's and fair. to be fair, he did apologize. Well, that is why it makes it worse for me because he doesn't apologize for using the word. He apologizes for calling them homosexuals, which is well, right. worse but, to me. But okay. But go. No. Well, okay. That's like so, the classic well, well, YouTube apology that's worse than the fucking. No. Slur. Okay. No. He is. He is not fucking PewDiePieing it up. Okay. He's not. He's not. No, man. He Sorry, I called you homosexuals. Yeah. Exactly. Come on. Like a. a but a bunch of shit porn in it. But I, the way I saw it is that was a moment where, you know, he's at his lowest, right? And he wants to be punished, basically. So he says, like, this horrible thing to, like, get punished and get people to immediately fight him. Because any other point of the movie, when somebody tries to wrestle or, like, fight him or throw punches at him, he's like, he makes a fight out of it. And you can see him, like, try to do yeah, a, a battle. Yeah, identity and fucking destroys everyone. Yeah, well, like, basically, like, he just goes crazy. And this one, he's just, like, letting himself get hit. Right. And, like, also, like, when he gets up, the the guys are not like, how dare you call us gay? They're like, are you done being, like, an asshole? Like, I like to think that they're like, you know, yo, dude, we don't say that word here. We're a street gang. We're, we include everyone. <laughs> obviously, that was not what happened in the movie. And obviously, that was not the intention. No. I, just think would, I just think it would be funny if they're woke gangsters. Um, but, um, you know, this uh, I have seen and been way more offended by this word in, in other places. Um, it's not good. Like, it's not a good thing that it happens. And I don't like that it happens. But I think... Um, it is to to pull a point that like this that's like the one thing that like for whatever reason straight guys cannot be called gay in any way and they try they try to fight you and like I think that was kind of what that was pointing out a little bit but masculinity is a prison. Uh, I, yep, I think Mas- that's masculinity is very very charitable, but I, that's fine. That's how you view it. I mean, yep. it's not good either way. Like, it's bad. Like, it's not a good thing that he, they use the word, and he's like a bad person. He's yeah, yeah. Bad. I, I think the um, but I think the apology is what puts it over the top for me because I think that is, uh, you know, really bad. Because the problem isn't that he's calling them homo because they're homosexual. That's totally fine. Like, he's like, sorry, what? I called you homosexual. This is really bad. But because um, that's not the offensive part of that, right? Like, that's. I guess I didn't take his apology that way. Like, I. For me, the apology read like he was apologizing for what he said, but at that point, like he it didn't want to do any good to repeat it. Yeah, okay, maybe. Yeah, that's what that that's what I that I, that's what I. That's thought. how I read that anyway. Um, but but anyways, but you're also valid as well, uh, Jason. No, like, not, you know that's fine. Um, I love the uh, <laughs> I do love the subsequent scene though where he sings "Love Me Tender." I think it's 
awesome. Oh, so good. He's pulling her out of the car. is wonderful. Did he really sing in this movie? Was that his real yes. singing voice? That was, was impressive. Very sure. I'm very, very sure. Um, both songs are him singing. And it's his jacket, yeah. by the way, as well. That's his snakeskin jacket. That's not surprising at all. <laughs> and I assume he really does own it because he believes in individuality and personal freedom. Yeah. Hey, you're all men. Can one of you tell me no. what it means to have a boner with a capital O? <laughs> no, I cannot. It's, it is Does he a... not know how to spell it? <laughs> well, I think... I, well, I think I think it goes bone. Yes, I that's the difference. You don't want to hit the B. You want to hit the O. If it's one for all time, you got to hit the O. When you have... Oh. Sophie, when you have a... It's never been... Jason, it's never been just, better said than that. You cannot just <laughs> let Luke just idly say that casually. If it's one for all time, you gotta hit the O. Yeah. It's it's I true. Agree. You really when, do. When you, when you have a boner, you turn into a cartoon wolf and you hit yourself in the head with a hammer. That's what A boner? <laughs> if you if you hit oh. the B, you just scare people away. Yeah. Yeah. Well that's, that's, not, I would. that's inappropriate. Do any of you know if there is a gif of the two of them driving in the car dancing? Oh, because, sure. like, there's I one... need to own that gif for the rest of my life. There is, there's a quite a few Wild at Heart gifs. Because, like, I know there's one where they're, like, dancing in the bed. Like, where she's just, like, doing, like, doing the flap. Oh, her little feet and all the cotton balls are bouncing everywhere. She's yeah, so exactly. adorable in this movie. I can't stand it. Mm-hmm. So funny. Oh, yep, there's one where they're dancing in the thing. Yes. So, yep, it's there. Movie is to actually find it anywhere to, like, buy or stream online. Yeah, that, that is weird. Like, that's weird that it's just kind of, like, uh, extremely rare to find. I I actually own it on Blu-ray because we were going to do this for the Dern cast with Jason ages ago, and then the Dern cast went on a hiatus and it never came back, but I bought the Blu-ray for that episode and... Uh, have it yeah i mean um, yeah i wouldn't mind owning coming. a blu-ray of this i really liked it i'm hey, sorry um, sophie you won't be able to find it i know well hey um really harsh transition can we talk about the abortion scene oh yeah yeah i yes know. i'd like to, I, um because that and I've, i actually am not clear on that moment is that a flashback that has to be a flashback to post her assault correct yes Yes, i assume the implication is that she became pregnant after she was raped and and i assume had an abortion i'm guessing at i mean i'm sure she would have anyway she was 13 but that it felt like at her mom's insistence and it was telling that like her mom wasn't there with her she was alone um i thought that sequence was so incredibly effective the way that it's shot with the like magnifying glass on her face and the 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 absolute silence in the room except for the sound of the medical equipment and her crying like no no one is comforting her nobody is with her in that moment like the doctor is there but and but off screen like i just thought that was so i thought that was incredibly powerful it is it is and i, and I think it's um it that's a tough scene um but yeah it's it it is an incredible scene it's Still the Suspiria blood, noted that. Like they didn't, they didn't, they didn't, yeah. they didn't go more realistic on that. But I, you know, I, everything else is very stark and uh, realistic on that. But they, they didn't try to to do anything different with the blood, which uh, wasn't isn't here or there. Just you know, was notable. Yeah, I mean, this film just dips into different genres and shifts so dramatically. It's at times so. Um alarming right like you're in one minute you're in like a farce and it's a weird comedy and the next you're watching somebody starkly get an abortion after being sexually assaulted it's crazy it's it's a quite a roller coaster this film in a way that um, truly wild uh, (laughs) (laughs) luke do you have any final thoughts uh, I really hope someone says that in the movie because that's the whole they, thing. Like, you, you wait for somebody. They say it to, twice. Oh, they do? Twice. Oh, yeah. That's, that's, <laughs> you all, watch the that's film all you need right there. <laughs> well, I think the first one, right, that's, is Laura Dern saying the boner with a capital O right there. Yeah. The, the 
first one is Laura Dern saying that the world is wired at heart, wild at heart and all kinds of weird on top, right? Mm-hmm. Which, Which is, is great. Well, it was probably just her like watching a David Lynch movie. Um, you know. <laughs> well, uh, that does. I just want to go back to the ending really quickly. I know you're trying to wrap up, but um, the end of the book oh. the film is based on does not have the ending, the same ending. I don't know if you guys know that or not. The end of the book, they do not get back together. That was that's a change by David Lynch um, because he wanted this film to have a happy ending. Oh, look at him, softy. How does it? I didn't know it was. I didn't know it was based on. Wait, how does the book end? They, Are you like calling on? Like, yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Sorry, I was just again baffled by a line that Luke said that was basically just like, "How dare he be happy?" <laughs> I think this story does have to end happily. Like, I don't. I I think it really um, misses the point if they don't get back together, right? I, I that's my opinion. Yeah. I I I I I prefer that. Like, I prefer that, and I you know I I love the musical ending there yeah, and, and and everything like that. <laughs> so, uh, Sophie, what are your final thoughts on this movie? Um, my final thoughts are, uh, I think we talked about this on the last episode, but I hadn't, I hadn't had a lot of experience with David Lynch outside of Twin Peaks before watching this and Blue Velvet and Dune. This would be my favorite of those three by a very wide margin. Wow. Um, I, yeah, I really, really enjoyed this film. This is something that I would for sure go back and watch. I, I think I benefited from knowing nothing about what it was going to be like. And I have to say that I'm someone who has a hard time. Like I hate how meta Nick Cage has gotten about being Nick Caged because I, I just find that his really wet performance now that um, intentional and self-aware are not fun. They're just kind of sad. Um, so it was really fun to see him in this because you can tell that he's very invested in the role and there are parts of it that are absolutely bananas. Uh, his accent doesn't make sense and it changes the, all throughout the movie, it's but like, Elvis I thought his performance was really great. Right. Exactly. And like his, and his chemistry with Laura Dern is amazing. And like Jason said, there's plenty of times where like little subtle things are really good. So it was nice to see an older Nick Cage movie and remember that he used to be someone who appeared to have some kind of integrity in his in his acting. Because now it just feels like it's very cynical and it makes me sad. Yeah, I he think... was once a very real sex object. Yeah. I think he described And this oh, as... I can't oh, believe I can't, didn't say... Sorry, no, Jason. No, just, I can't... I cannot finish my final thoughts without saying again that Laura Dern is a goddamn national treasure. She's so good in this movie that the entire time I just felt like she is a person that I would like be friends with or want to hang out with. She just was absolutely amazing. And I think to Jason's point, I don't know that that character would be half as compelling if it was played by anybody else. I think she brings a lot of that to the movie. So I agree. Fair. I think Nicholas Cage described this as the first performance that he did that was not method, which really calls into question Vampire's Kiss um, quite a bit. <laughs> um, <laughs> and, uh, you know, Moonstruck. Like, <laughs> He's actually really good in that movie, too. I, I love him in that movie. The um, sexiest Nick, Nick Cage in that movie. Yeah, very, a very, se- a very sexy Nick that, Cage. That woman won an arm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Fiona. I mean, I think Jason's <laughs> completely derailed now. Um, well, Andrew didn't ask me what my final thing? thoughts are, and I'm pretty, that's what I was. Well, you already fucking offended. So... If I'm going to be honest. Uh, hey, uh, Luke, what are your final thoughts again? <laughs> <laughs> what are your final thoughts? I mean, I don't know. There's nothing else to say. I've said it all. You know, I love this film. <laughs> um, unlike, um, unlike uh, Sophie, I. I probably rank Blue Velvet above this, but I do agree with her. This is a much easier film to rewatch than Blue Velvet. So it's, I find it, um, you know, I, it's like I said, it's two hours just flies by watching this film for me at least. So yeah, okay. that's it. Watch it. It's great. Um, 
thank you all. Oh, wait, sorry. Where can people be found? Oh, my God. I'm a terrible podcast host. What are your Luke, final thoughts, we... Andrew? I love this movie. It's great. Luke, where can we find you on the internet? Uh, I mean, just uh, you can find me. I'm Crummy Luke on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, I also do a podcast called Cinepub, uh, which you can also find at Cinepub Pod on Twitter and Instagram. Watch nice. it, bitches. Sophie, where can we find you on the internet? Uh, I write movie reviews over at BGH. I don't say that usually because I haven't written reviews in so long, but I just wrote two and I have three more coming up. So if you're listening to this currently, I probably have reviews online. Um, Including Freaky. What? Oh, yeah. You're you're currently writing Freaky. Yeah, super excited. Um, Yeah, so I also uh, occasionally watch bad movies on the internet with Andrew, and we live-tweet them, so you can also follow, find me there um, at BGH New Class Live on Twitter. And I have my own podcast with my sister, um, so if you've ever wanted to, like, have a boozy brunch with your girlfriends and talk about horror movies, you should check us out. We are 28 Days Later, and that is all. Noise. Jason. Where can we find you on the World Wide Web? Yeah, I have a couple other podcasts, Moments of Madness, uh, where I talk about television, social issues. Um, coming up next week with Adam, a friend of the podcast, Adam, Spaceman Lawyer, uh, talking well, about... Well, I mean, acquaintance. Acqu- no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Shots fired. Um, he actually, Adam actually listens, so uh, I'm sorry, Adam. Uh, you're one of 20 people, so thank you. Um, wonderful episode on the AIDS epidemic in the 90s and uh, designing women killing all the right people which is coming out next week it's a uh, really great episode so um, I also have coming up shortly a brand new podcast called Generation Intonation where myself and my daughter listen to my 14 year old daughter listen to uh, alternating weeks albums from our freshman years of high school so coming up um andrew's gonna listen to me hear bts for the first time and uh talk about it awesome awesome good to know uh and you know where to find this podcast okay thank you have a good day Goodbye. bye